0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend for 30 years. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the House.
1: Will I'm riding along, singing the same old.
2: Well, good morning, Arizona homeowners. Thanks again for tuning in to your weekend wake-up call. It's Rosie on the house. It's a 30-year tradition. I'm honored and humbled that y'all been tuning in for that long, and we appreciate it. We show up every single Saturday morning to do one thing, to do our best, to try and become every Arizona homeowner's best friend. We've got about 10 hours of programming content crammed into a four-hour show this morning. You're not going to want to miss one minute of it. Of course, in the 10 o'clock hour, we'll be drilling down deep on one particular topic. Nine o'clock hour is, for those of you that have got a project going on around your house, you want to call in and get some tips and tricks of the trade, just give us a ring. That's a perfect opportunity. It's the open line hour. Eight o'clock hour, we'll be talking about, of course, outdoor living, gardening, hedge trimming, tree trimming, fertilizing, and whatnot. But here in the seven o'clock hour, it's our Arizona People, Places, and Events. And in studio this morning. Actually, we're not in studio. I'm I'm playing a little hooky. I'm down at thirty two forty four East Thomas Road. Yes. North side of the street. Arizona Hiking Shack with the owner and manager Dale Stewart. But the boss isn't here just right, right now. Miss Irene. It's taking it easy this morning. Huh? No, I should be in shortly. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Dale, we've just walked into the front door of Arizona Hiking Shack. Now, y'all have been at this location for how long? About five years, 2011. Because I I always knew you up on Cave Creek Road. Y'all sure. were there for a long time. Since 1972. Yeah, man. That was a lot closer to the house. So I was in a lot more often when y'all were up there. But uh, a, a, a an Arizona
1: Adventure Toy Store. And then some. Oh, yes. Rafting, kayaking, hiking, backpacking, bicycling. I mean, how how do you get into a gig like this? This isn't really even a job. No, it's not. It's actually a a life adventure. Uh, What a great way to to get through life is uh, kayaking, climbing, backpacking. Talk a little bit about what got you
2: here. I mean, how, were you involved in the store up on Cave Creek, uh-huh. uh, your
1: store there? That was Vikram Zoni. He was a prospector. He drugged me into prospecting. It was one of these, you get one, I get six, you get one. And so he drugged me into prospecting. It was such an awesome adventure. Arizona is so full of gold and and places to go for prospecting as well. And I was a climber at the time, backpacker, and so I was just set up a friendship with him, and he taught me all about prospecting, and in the meantime, I started working with him as a rug rat. Well, let's
2: walk over to this part of the store over here because you've got some prospecting equipment over here, and I do a lot of hiking throughout Arizona, and I come across shafts, and it just always kind of befuddles me. Okay, what did this prospector pulling this burrow... 150 years ago, see in this rock formation that made him want to start digging a hole with his bare hands.
1: <laughs> well, gold is a very specific uh, uh, product that has got a lot of density, a lot of weight. It's uh, twice as heavy as lead. So it falls out in very specific places and rivers and creeks and, and the like. And it starts from quartz veins and, and the like. And so as the erosion continues, gold winds up in our creeks, the Bradshaws, Prescott's up around Tucson lots of color in Arizona. And I know a couple guys
2: that kind of head up to the Wickenburg area and do a bit of dry sand gold prospecting in
1: the Hacienda. Oh, you you bet. Uh, Dry washing is a uh, fun uh, adventure, and it's a different way to do it. You do with big blowers and shaker tables and you separate the material out from the gold, and you get down to your finds and start prospecting. And when you start panning it out, it shows up in your pan as yellow. Now, can I just rent
2: all this equipment from you and pull off into the Hacienda and start prospecting?
1: No, there's a few uh, uh, laws in the land that uh, you got to abide by. Come on in. We can get you started pointing in the right direction. There's a lot of uh, different clubs around that we can uh, get you into that really knows their, their craft. That'll help you succeed. So you've got the dry system got, here yeah there's dredges which is uh, works out of the rivers and the creeks and the lakes and then we have dry washing we also have metal detecting and there's a lot of ways to extract color out of the desert. I've never done it. Well, you should try it. Once you I, hit gold, I, I, it must be very addicting. <laughs> gold fever.
2: I I would imagine. And so this looks like almost like a little barbecue unit over here with a hand crank on it. What it we is that
1: going on here? Well, this uh, sets up as a, a washer, and you pump water into it. At the same time, you pour materials, and as you rotate the uh, the barrel, it'll uh, separate out the gravel from the gold and drop the gold down into a pin, and you get it down to a refinement of being able to pan it and classify it and, and extract your gold. And the
2: prospecting you've done, Dale, you find it's a two, it's a two-person operation, generally uh, speaking? Or?
1: It's it's great as a, a single person, but it's even better as a family when you get out there and you start finding colors together. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Now, the closest I've come to gold prospecting is a, a
2: hobby I started with my grandkids, geocaching. Now that's a hoot.
1: That's a hoot, yeah. Now you need, need to learn a little more about navigation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we we have a ball. We're, uh, uh, we've are we got kids located all over the country, actually, in, in Europe as well, and we send them little geocache pennants and whatnot to store, and then you register them, and you can track how they're being moved through the country and you know, all the way across the globe. The kids just love it. It's just another... One of those activities that just begs
1: for you to get outside. Yeah, get outside. Arizona is one of the best states in the Union. It's one of the largest territories uh, compared to other states. Uh, We have some amazing peaks, valleys, the White Mountains, uh, Flagstaff, uh, goes on and on. Slot Canyons. So you you meet this prospector and he owns the store up
2: at on on Cave Creek Road and you just end up going to work for him in the in the shop.
1: Yeah, I was in the 70s. I was uh, just in high school still and just needed a daytime job so I could get a little money to yeah. go climb. And yeah. then of course in those days climbing was uh, you could do it out in McDowell. Yeah. And, and uh, the Prescott. There's a Camelback. Thumb, Pinnacle Tom's, Peak. Oh, it's just yeah, it's just. playing Monk. <laughs> yeah, it's all over. Can you still climb the Monk? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. The, the Monk, uh, Patrick's Chimney, uh, the Headwall, all those routes are very easily accessible. If you're going to climb, you ought to take a, a class or get a lesson. Uh, Arizona Mountaineering Club is one of the best uh, organizations around the state, for instance, and we can give you information on how to contact them. They have a class coming up in March. It's a beginner's class, so we're a good connection for folks trying to get educated to do it the right way and be safe out in the wilderness. So come and check us out out we'd be uh real happy to point you in the right directions
2: that's awesome and i did a little bit of climbing back in high school myself and we were we we did uh pinnacle peak every new year's ah
1: yeah <laughs> pinnacle peak is such a fun place to go climb it's hard granite uh, unlike camelback which is a little bit more of a mud ball as we call it so uh but climbing is a great sport to get into now, can you
2: climb Weaver's Needle?
1: Yes, you can. Yeah, there's a couple routes up uh, Weaver's Needle. It's a little uh, little rock, uh, uh, rockier, loose stuff. It's a yeah. little wilderness uh, uh, climbing, but absolutely, it's a fun adventure. You can get up there in a day and back by, by dark.
2: Okay, well, that's 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 not one I've done, so I'll have to try and think about tackling that. Oh, I don't
1: know. There's much funner places to go. <laughs> like, let's go to the river, the Grand Canyon. Let's uh, get on a route. Oh, let's man. do some camping. Now,
2: the canyon, the canyon is just one of those places. Dale, you've been here in Arizona a long time. I've been here since the mid-60s. It's amazing when you talk to somebody that's been here five years, eight years, ten years, 12 years, and they haven't even taken the drive up.
1: Yeah, you know, we have uh, one of the seven wonders in the world in our own backyard. The Grand Canyon uh, runs almost 260 miles from end to end, and it's uh, not the largest canyon on planet Earth, but it's one of the most amazing 2 million, uh, two billion years at the bottom and about 300 million at the top. So, when you start looking at the geology and, and you really get into what makes up our uh, our crust on uh, Mother Earth, here it's pretty amazing. See, I got to start going to the canyon with guys like you. I'm, I, I accidentally got hooked up with a
2: bunch of wacko nuts. That they just like running across it, rim to rim, as fast as they can. And
1: well, tell them you'll meet them on the other side, and you're riding a mule. That's the best way to uh, see the Grand Canyon is on top of a sure-footed mule going down. You get nothing but uh, visuals uh, coming and going.
2: Now going down South Kaibab, there's a couple places. I'm even a little, a little shaky on my own feet. You know, you're looking over the edge, and you hit Skeleton Point. A big, big wind gust, sand blowing in your face and whatnot, and you're tired, you're exhausted, and you think. I like being on my own feet. I'm not sure how I feel comfortable. And I ride horses, but
1: I, some of those places, some of those exposures on that trail are really hair-raising. Well, it's just that. It's the Grand Canyon. It's steep. It's difficult to get in and out. Don't uh, take it lightly. It is a challenge, and some of those trails get real, uh, real close to the steep side of uh, life. Uh, but that's what makes the Grand Canyon the Grand Canyon. Yeah. It's an adventure, and it's getting off the sidewalk. Just plan well, prepare well and uh, have fun, and take pictures along the way. Well, as as an experienced canyoneer at the Grand Canyon,
2: I do a, a lot of training, and I've done it about eight years now, and I think I've about decided there's no training for the Grand Canyon. Other than doing the Grand Canyon.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Humphreys Peak is a good one. If you can start yeah. by getting up and down Humphreys Peak, Mount Baldy in the White Mountains, uh, yeah. South Mountain Trails, even Piascoa, yeah. uh, you'll start getting in pretty good shape. But, yeah, there's nothing like the Grand Canyon. It's uh, it's real deceiving. It's uh, all downhill to start, and, oh, it eventually turns up. Oh, man,
2: it's the easy way in, and it's the hard way out. And people get down there and think, well, this was nothing. And then they turn around, and, boy, by the time you meet them back up, up at the top it's there whoops <laughs> well I, I do a lot in the McDowell's like I'll go from Sunrise Peak Trailhead uh, to Tom up and 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 cross that whole traverse there and then the next day I'll get up and i will do Tom Sum back to Sunrise Peak and when I can do that and feel like I'm not aching too bad I feel like okay well I'm about ready
1: Yeah, the Thompson Peak, that thumb uh, thumb butte up there, the whole McDowell Range there is a a really beautiful desert uh, experience. You know, the McDowell Mountain
2: trail system is really, really, I think, some of the prettier trails in the whole urban area.
1: Well, they put a lot of time and attention. I was back out there in the 60s and 70s, and it's a (laughs) much more uh, organized uh, trail system than it was then. It sure is. Yeah, back in the old days, you
2: could find those old trails. uh, veteran homesteads out there, with concrete <laughs> slabs in the fireplaces. Remember those?
1: Well, yeah, and the and the goats. You could still see goats wandering <laughs> around the sides of the
2: cliffs. That's right. We're here right. with Dale Stewart, the owner of the Arizona Hiking Shack 3244. Thomas Road it's just one of those little outdoor adventure toy stores if you haven't been in you got to get here and take a look at everything he's got we're gonna be talking more we're walking through the store we've been through the prospecting section we talked a little bit about rock climbing we got a lot more to look at get you excited about getting outside with Dale Stewart, owner of Arizona Hiking Shack on Thomas Road, just east of uh, 32nd Street. It is, like I was telling you, an outdoor adventure toy store. And there's products for anything and everything kitchens, camelback packs, uh, shoes, climbing shoes, hiking shoes, tents, clothing. And one of the more unique components of the store is this rental center.
1: Yeah, uh, over the years we know that it's difficult to own uh, uh, high-end equipment, specialty equipment, because we do uh, live in a specialty uh, pinnacle sports such as backpacking, climbing, hiking, uh, and getting off the sidewalk. Uh, so rentals uh, for backpacks, tents, sleeping bags, uh, all the equipment that you'd need, crampons, ice axes, uh, I'm, looking at, I'm
2: looking at this list of equipment you've got going on here. You've got the water sports.
1: Uh, kayaks, inflatable kayaks, hard shell kayaks, sit on tops, uh, rafts, 14, 16 foot, with the frames. Uh, you can go from the Grand Canyon to, to the Green, to the Upper Salt River. They got a uh, a lot of other equipment along uh, the way, such as I see a boat pump. I would yeah, want a boat pump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to take an inflatable, <laughs> boat pumps a good one to start with. We try to make sure you get one out uh, the door when you uh, pick up your package. Uh, but you can also get throw bags and. And dry bags and things to put your stuff in. Uh, uh, splash pants, uh, wetsuits. Uh, you got climbing harnesses. Uh, uh, you've got helmets and gloves and shoes and. Uh, There's such a variety of things that we try to promote for uh, safe camping and have the ability to put you in a good sleeping bag with a ground pad that's going to keep you warm and and do it at a price that's uh, really affordable comparatively to uh, having to buy all your equipment. So you've got kind of the exotic equipment for the
2: real adventure, but you've also got the family hiking and camping supplies as well. Oh, we do. Packed rain, sleeping
1: bags, burner stoves, tents cots. Uh, yeah, it's uh, two burner stoves. We have uh, groovers. What we call groovers is kind of an outhouse. And in this day and age, the laws have changed for uh, taking care of your uh, waste. And so there's uh, containers that we that can, we, we can service along the way. So if you're out camping in the wild, it's not the same way as digging a, a cat hole and having a mess. So we can show you how to do safe uh, legal camping in this day and age on the rivers and, and the encampments around Arizona.
2: And so we're talking about a six-person tent. I don't know. Let's go all the way up to the eight-person tent for a family. You've got an eight-person tent for 65 bucks For five days. That's bet. for the whole week. Pick it up on a Thursday, bring it back on a Monday. Man, you can't beat that. So you, you want to get involved in getting outside, and you're not quite sure where to start with the family or or friends, this would be a great place to start. Even if you
1: don't have the equipment, they can set you up with the equipment. Well, we'll even give you 50% toward the purchase of new equipment off your rentals. Uh, once you come back and you decide you might like something, we'll uh, help you uh, step up to the to the plate with a new piece of equipment of your own and take some of the rental money and apply to it. That's a fantastic program. And then the, more, of, more of the extreme
2: sports, the climbing and the kayaking and stuff. For those that are just kind of have their interest peak? how would how would you get somebody started? like i've been in a kayak once or twice you know back in college um didn't accomplish much <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh enjoyed it um if if i wanted to get involved in, in kayaking I mean what kind of little beginner rig do you put Put, put me in? And where do you send me?
1: Yeah, one of the things that we take a lot of pride in is that we've, uh, we're we homeboys and girls, mom-pa shop, and we uh, know who's who in the community. So if you want to get started with climbing, we want to send you to a, a, a customer such as Arizona Mountaineering Club. Okay. Uh, they're well-established, one of the oldest, largest clubs in the country. Uh, Arizona Adventures, uh, uh, we, there's another organization we work with, uh, Rescue 3 International. Uh, ropes that rescue uh, uh, up in Sedona for technical rescue uh, classes. We, uh, we do a lot of education here, and we get you pointed in the right direction. It's really important that uh, you have a plan when you get in the wilderness so you don't become a statistic. And y'all do do a lot of classes here. Are those evening classes, day classes? What kind of topics do y'all cover? Well, we cover GPS. We cover backpacking 101. We cover climbing. We cover kayaking that uh, we cover technical rescue, uh, there's a wide breadth of things that we uh, we try to get the folks educated in. You know, having been out in Arizona a lot over the last
2: 60 years, uh, I I want to know the truth. Do you ever doubt your GPS? I have many times.
1: Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the Grand Canyon. I'll tell you that the GPS doesn't work as well as I'd like it to. Uh, and I spent a lot of time in the canyon trying to map things out. But when you get up against the wall, those GPSs, are wall, clouds, trees, they all become an inter- interference to accuracy. Well, when I first began carrying a GPS,
2: it was in the White Mountains, and I was doing a, a, a hike actually with my dogs, and we were out and for several hours. And I thought, okay, it's time to circle back and get to the truck. And several <laughs> hours later, I was still looking for the truck, and the GPS was telling me this way, and I just knew yeah. that GPS was wrong. Yeah, I know. It's right around here. And so finally, after about three and a half hours of looking for the truck, I thought, okay, maybe the GPS knows
1: what sort of It took me right to the truck. <laughs> <laughs> well, much like uh, uh, pilots, there they need to learn to trust those instruments. And yes, GPS is good technology. It's incredible technology. It truly is. And then uh, for those who are uh, in between, uh, knowing what they need to do, there's always those spots that uh, you can push a button, and be lo- relocated. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> you right. found all right. So the rental equipment center here at Arizona Hiking
2: Shack. For those of you, and the Tonto passes are sold. Here. I imagine you have the passes for all the all the we four. We Yeah. All right. Coronado, Coconina, all of them. So right here at the Arizona's hiking shack on Thomas Road it's 3244 north side of the road you can't miss it it is an outdoor adventure toy store there isn't anything you could want to do outdoors in Arizona that you can't find the supplies and the materials and the equipment for right here at Arizona hiking shack Arizona we're getting y'all outside this morning we're getting y'all outside right from an adventure store right in Phoenix at 32nd Street and Thomas it's 3244 Thomas Road it's the Arizona Hiking Shack been around serving the Arizona Outdoor Adventure since the 70s we're here with owner Dale Stewart Dale I think we would not be serving our listeners properly unless we started talking about footwear (laughs) yeah I mean when you're out there nine miles from the truck the most important part of your whole body
1: is well, your feet. <laughs> when your feet hurt, you're not having any fun, so uh, just starting off is getting a good footwear uh, that fits your foot properly uh, and having the ability to protect your, your feet from the ground. We live in a desert environment throughout the state of Arizona, and it's just rocky and rough, and we have all kinds of conditions that come about with uh, the soft shoes that we wear in today's uh, market. Uh, good sock combination to keep the moisture out to keep your feet uh, warm in the winter and dry and cool in the summer and a platform that keeps you from uh, bruising uh, the bottoms of your feet
2: i tell people that want to try and join us in the canyon hike uh, every year if they're not if they're new to it and they want to know what, what training they should do i said you know what there's, hard, there's very little training you're going to be able to do just to be completely ready for it. But I'll tell you what, find the longest hikes you can do and get get used to being on your feet hiking for 10, 11, 12 hours. Get your feet built up to where they can handle that, and it will get you up and out of the can
1: It will. Uh, <laughs> your feet are going to get you there. Your feet are going to get you out. Even if you get to that point in time you say no more, you will probably eventually wander out. So the sock combination that has a blend of uh, wool and, and nylon and some elasticity, it'll help uh, draw that up. If you uh, don't like wool, there's other uh, products that are in socks in this day and age that cause a wicking action. Being prepared on your feet, like you say, 8, 10-hour uh, hikes, oh. absolutely. They don't have to be uh, uh, genuinely steep or difficult, but you need to be uh, on your feet uh, for long periods of time because that's what the canyon's going to do to you is keep you on your feet all day long. Do you ever double sock? Uh, I do uh, sometimes uh, when I go into real difficult uh, terrain where I know that I'm gonna be pushing the, uh, the edge it's off trail I'll put a liner sock on uh, which is usually a polyester or a, or a nylon and then I put a, a heavier sock over that. The first
2: attempt I made through the Grand Canyon, I think I lost eight of my toenails.
1: Oh yeah <laughs> you know the fit getting them too short is uh, is a sin
2: that, <laughs> uh... that really. <laughs> I was hobbling pretty Uh, bad by the time I topped out at uh, Bright Angel. But from that point forward, when I hike the canyon, and I don't do it in a lot of my hikes, but when I hike the canyon, I'll actually get a sock that separates your
1: toes. A sock that separates your toes. So the toes go inside the sock and you get it split? Yeah. Uh, again I, I think a good boot fit uh, yeah. we, we're very uh, sit and fit here at our shop that's one of the things that we do the best of uh, our return is a hundred percent and no questions asked if it's a misfit there's uh, and it's not gonna happen because my staff are schooled. we send ourselves uh, and get educated on how to fit properly if I come in for a Grand Canyon boot
2: or shoe are you going to fit me different than just a casual uh i want a a casual hiking boot shoe
1: well we're going to ask you the question of what type of hiking do you do as a a normal Uh, and then we're going to try to gravitate to a, a boot that's going to carry not only to the grand canyon but other hikes around we want to make sure that you continue to get back out there and If you're not properly fitted and you're losing toenails, well, that's pretty discouraging. uh, Having (laughs) to uh, realize how painful that was.
2: What's that North Rim? North Rim to Phantom? Is that thirteen miles?
1: Yeah, it's the Grand View.
2: Well, that that whole trail length, is not it? Thirteen miles from North Rim to to, to Phantom Ranch.
1: Down to Phantom Ranch,
2: yeah. But from Rim to Rim, twenty. Yeah, (laughs) but that but the hardest part of it, if you can make that thirteen mile down here. Down. Yeah. Without losing toenails? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can get the Phantom Ranch... You know you're only about three and a half hours to out, and you could do anything for three and a half hours. Go into a go into a mental coma and just put one foot in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: zone out. So zone out, exactly. Uh, well, we're going to make sure you don't lose toenails. We're going to make sure we pull out the insole. We're going to fit yourself uh, with a Brannock device. We're going to know exactly what your feet are doing. We're going to ask you to stand and, and sit with our fits, and, so you won't get out of our shop uh, being ill fit. And a good
2: fitting shoe like that, I see a lot of Solomon up there, and I mean, you're gonna to be, you're going to be investing what in good, adequate Arizona hiking footwear?
1: You can uh, figure out 130 to $180 on okay. average in this day and age to get a good platform, a good trail shoe. Uh, we don't do uh, much with running. Uh, there's other folks that do a far better job with that. We stay uh, really focused on the uh, trail from uh, entry level to veneer, uh, Hood, Baker, uh, Everest, uh, Aconcagua, places that uh, are tough and and need the proper footwear so we can cover pretty much all those uh, levels of uh, footwear and why you and what you need when you need it all right
2: very good footwear it's extremely important anytime you're out there trying to get out there and experience the great arizona outdoors can we can we go over back i, I want to talk a little bit more about And oh, look, before we do i see you've got all the hiking staffs we do uh,
1: yeah. Highly uh, recommend uh, it. Right? I highly recommend uh, staffs. I've been using staffs for the last couple of years now. The Grand Canyon is a brutal place to uh, hike in, particularly if you're not in shape. But it also helps keep your balance, keeps you uh, kind of tripoded as you go down and step over those those step downs. And so, hiking staffs that are lightweight and adjustable are, are an important part of your, uh, your equipment makeup. I haven't gotten in the
2: habit of using them, but. In training for the Grand Canyon last year, I actually was doing a lot of traveling. So my hiking, my training, ended up being stairwells in hotels. And I was with someone that knew I didn't hike with uh, a staff. And about, we were in a, about a 22-story hotel. And about the fourth time we were going up, I grabbed the handrail. And she said, that's what a pole is for.
1: Yep. Yeah, it'll help you uh, step up uh, when you're on the way out and you're you're on your last. Uh, and when you put that uh, staff down, it it gets you over that last step. It helps. So they were telling me that person in
2: particular was telling me that studies have shown that it actually requires about 20 percent less energy to do the same trail with hiking poles as without them
1: well it's a, a full-body experience at that point in time because it's not just your feet traveling across the trail but now you're using your shoulders your arms your hands your fore, uh, your, just everything gets much more involved and it does it reduces the amount of energy and and trauma that the lower body takes uh, when you start thinking about uh, your body weight of 170 190 pounds uh, stepping off of it a, a little foot and a half two feet, it pounds down on those feet. So when you can put that staff down there and just step down gently, it's much easier on your feet, much easier on your no, uh, your knees. Uh, it's just a better experience all the way around. And once you get started with them, yeah, it's hard to get uh, uh, hard, uh hard to to leave to them home. Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: I'll tell you one thing I do like about them. The couple times I have you, how much reduction and swelling of your hands.
1: Yeah, and again, that that all comes about when we're hiking. We all get a a, a fluid buildup, and uh, by using those hands, you're constantly exercising, and that's all a muscular activity and helps that circulation. Every once in a while, on that canyon hike in particular, I've just got to put my hands
2: up over the top of my head and just walk for 15 or 20 minutes and just kind of get the the fluid
1: out of it yeah well and that that's uh, always a compartmentalization is what we call that uh where you get more fluid builds up uh, and uh, and it creates the cardiovascular problems along the way so if you notice that you're swelling uh do just that it, exercise those hands and those arms and, and keep that uh, circulation going it's all not right. good to get uh, that accumulated
2: all right your passion is
1: rock climbing that's what got you involved in
2: this from the very beginning uh, quite a museum of, of Chalks and carabiners and everything else you got going in here. Yeah, that's that's we, quite a collection.
1: We have a good friend, uh, Mitre Car- Carabin. He works over there on a uh, gym uh, in Phoenix, and he has a passion that's beyond approach. Uh, he's over the top with what he's done over the years. Uh, he's got this, stuff this, all this the way all back his, to 1800s. Yeah. This is all his stuff? This is all his things, and uh, he comes in. He's gracious to put it up for, uh, with us and for us, and he can turn this over for like four or five times with different Holy things. Holy cow. Just, yeah, it's over the top. And as far as climbing is concerned, yeah, we got into climbing back in the 60s uh, at church, and uh, it's been a passion ever since. Uh, it's kept me outdoors and kept us active as a, a company and then when I joined in the, the hiking shack back in the 70s some of the things that uh, we did was climbing and, and it just continued on so we have one of the largest selections of uh, climbing and rescue equipment in the southwest I don't think anybody could uh, come here and go hmm what are you missing yeah uh, we carry carry pitons we carry batteries for aid climbing we carry uh, cams stoppers carabiners all types of harnesses helmets do any do any older people start rock climbing? That that's really a sport that really does well to start young. Uh, it would it it is, but I'll tell you, you don't have to be young to start climbing. Uh, you can climb at your own level. Uh, the fire department, for instance, they have to go out and they have to learn. Some of those fellows are in their 40s and 50s and and take on the the job of technical rescue, and they're out climbing on Camel Camelback and Piesgua uh, uh, and and Papago and they're climbing around just like us youngsters it's amazing how little purchase
2: you need to support yourself when you're in the right gear knowing the right angles and the right approach to that to that face.
1: Climbing shoes with soft uh, rubber, and then a good technique will uh, get you over some amazingly steep stuff. And and it's it's a sport that's just going to when you get to the top, you're going to re- realize just uh, what an accomplishment it is because you get very focused and very disciplined to accomplish it. Top topping out is a pretty special event. Always a special <laughs> event. It's a good feeling,
2: and then and then rappelling down is so much fun. Oh, just riding the rope. Let's go. Yeah, let's go play. That's an absolute blast. Well, you, I, I am not an, an experienced rock climber. I've done a, a, a small share of it when I was much younger. But boy, there isn't anything I had ever wanted or needed or used. Uh, we did the Grand Teton. You know that was a great adventure one summer, uh, and uh, uh, up at Athabasca Ice Glacier in Canada, and and. Um, Mount Robeson was the one, and then and, um, Lake Louise area and all of that. I mean, I was more I was more into mountaineering, but I wasn't a sheer face scaling. Hood, <laughs> near <laughs> 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 Baker, yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, bet.
1: Yeah. Uh, Half Dome is a good one. It's a climb without being a climb. It's got a cable all the way up. You should go out and explore some of these not-so-demanding climbs, but just fun vertical scrambles. Well, uh, Picacho is Picacho one of those. Peak.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, Picacho has some pretty good exposure on a couple it's of got those some little. Edges. Uh, it does. <laughs> it really does. And when you and when you top out at Picacho, you really feel like you could see hundred million miles in you every can. direction. You can. Picacho is a great hike. Yeah. If, if, if you if you want to find out how you could how you'll do when you're out there in the exposure and you're six inches away from a 800 foot fall uh got put, put your exposure is one of those maybe
1: test your <laughs> oh it will test you yeah because uh, reality is right there in your face and yes you can step uh, one side and there you go uh you can come in and you can get maps of all the different climbing areas the around roots, Arizona all the different the routes. Roots, uh yeah unlike the 60s and 70s there's a lot more bet on uh, climbing routes and and on Camelback and Papago and Thumb and Prescott and Uh, So we have a lot of information and and we'll point you off in the right direction uh, with any of the questions you might have. Here's your chance. Invite Arizona to your store. Arizona, you should come and see Arizona Hiking Shack and the folks that we have here. We have seasoned staff that's here to help you and answer your questions and get it right the first time. Come and see us. We'll get you fit, correct, regardless of what uh, uh, adventure you're off to. Dale and Irene. Dale and Irene. She's my uh, lovely wife, and she's also my boss. All right.
2: Dale, (laughs) thanks
1: for taking this time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rosie. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Saturday morning, you're with Rosie on the House, and you're just in time. I hope you're hungry. I'm Gary D. in the producer studio. Jandy Autry and Jennifer are in the studio right next to me. They're getting ready for the Rosie on the House edition of her one-minute kitchen. She's making omelets because our farm fresh this month are eggs. And in the next hour, we'll continue talking eggs with Sharman Hickman in the Arizona Farm Bureau and Romy with the Outdoor Living Hour. But first... The Saba Home and Patio Show is underway in Tucson this weekend. And here's Home Show Director Jennifer Bailey. Good morning, Jennifer.
3: Good morning.
0: This is one of our favorite events here at Rosie on the House, and I'm sure once again it's jam-packed with lots of things to do.
3: Oh, it is hopping, and we're getting ready. We have a lot of things going on for the whole family to come out. You can get your face painted. You can learn how to keep your yard safe from snakes. You can learn how to remodel your home.
0: We should know that rattlesnakes are not invited to the show, but, uh, you know, you're right. They're out there.
3: Rattlesnakes are out now. That's what I've heard.
0: That's true. So we've
3: got animal experts is going to be talking about how you can keep your home safe from them and your animals safe.
0: So when you walk around the Home and Patio Show, you'll see pools, spas, water treatment, landscape ideas, driveways, garages, food preparation. Y'all got it all here. This is incredible.
3: We do, and we even have trees. Tucson Electric Power is going to be offering trees. As long as you fill out some paperwork from them, um, they've got some desert trees that they're giving away.
0: Southern Arizona Home Builders Association Home and Patio Show in Tucson, and it's at the Tucson Convention Center. There is admission?
3: $8, but there's coupons on our website, sabahomeshow.com. Seniors are half off as well as military and kids 12 and under are free
0: and also rosie on the houses out there our uh, lovely rosebud susan krieger will be manning the rosie booth so stop by and say hi to her as well jennifer we will come back to you later in the show as the home show opens
3: great thank you
4: Welcome back to Rosie on the House, and we have Jan Diotry in studio. Jan Diotry, producer of the One Minute Kitchen, Rosie on the House style today. That's She's right. in studio with us. We are doing something really fun today. Um, you're going to make a one-minute omelet, and guess who taught me how to do this? Who? Charmin Hickman. Oh yeah! So if somebody knows how to make an omelet, it would be Charmin Hickman. She's got a lot Hickman. of eggs to go through. Don't, She's you think? Got a don't you love the the egg farmers? I mean, let's give a tribute to the, Arizona, to the families. Arizona egg farmers—they've just formed a new group, and they're they're awesome. Ninety percent of egg farmers in America are family owned. The egg, the incredible edible egg. It's pretty amazing what packs a punch in one egg. Seventy-one calories and two grams of fat for an egg. Yeah, nine n- amino acids. Nine grams of protein. Vitamin it's A and D. Crazy. Yeah. What, yeah. what else could you eat that gave you that much? I wanted to give you a tip on storing eggs. So when you store your eggs, make sure that the pointy side is down. That that's going to keep your egg fresher. I brought two of my favorite gadgets in for the perfect hard-boiled egg. These are egg timers. This is called the exact egg timer. You plop this in the water. In the water. When you put your eggs in, and it will tell you when it's hard-boiled, medium-boiled, or soft-boiled. Now, do those float, Done. or do they No, they, they to the sink bottom, to the bottom. And you and can they, read that all the way through the yep, water, yeah. Yep, It'll it's red, and okay. then it'll turn white as it... Cooks. Well, that takes all the guesswork out. I got to tell you something, Jen. If you can find these, find them at Sur La Table, Sweet Basil. They're just called the Exact Egg Timer. Amazon, I think they're two bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the best kitchen gadget when it comes to eggs. All righty. So let's we'll make this omelet together. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna make the okay. omelet. So I've got a hot skillet. You want to do about a ten inch skillet. Nonstick would be good. You've got two eggs there Mm -hmm. that you've mixed together with what? Two tablespoons of milk. Got two tablespoons of milk. You've got it nice and going here. Yep. So you're going to pour everything in at once, and now you're going to kind of dredge it. So I'm going to turn this up a little bit. So what she's doing is she's moving the the wet eggs to the center and always keeping the eggs on the base. So what's happening, Jen, mm-hmm. it's starting to cook and you're going to get an omelet that's cooked all the way around at the same time. Literally going to take you 1 minute to now, do. Now do I stay in the middle or do and I go do I need, all the go, way, yeah, go all oops, the way around and then wrong? you're going to tip your pan so that the, yes so that the bottom is all always has eggs look at that look at you're almost done let's throw some cheese because we're gonna do a cheese omelet you want to fold it over it's not quite ready but it almost okay. is so now, now, I'm, you, now I'm done dredging right you're so, done okay. dredging and now you're gonna take it and fold it over look at that come on baby okay that's not beautiful no it is beautiful <laughs> and you know what with a little bit of cheese. But guess what, Jen? You just Wonderful. made, awesome. you made awesome. a one-minute omelet. <laughs> I love that. And you know what? When you um, the the culinary schools, this is one of the first things that students have to learn is how to make a French omelet, you know, or how to make a beautiful omelet. Oh yeah. You're gonna beautiful. put it on your plate and look it, we are done. That is a gorgeous omelet, girl. One minute, awesome. Well, thank you so much for another in studio cooking session. It's fun. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Thanks, Jen.